welcome to the Election Ride Home for Tuesday, February 11th, 2020. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman, with a summary of election news. Today, New Hampshire goes to the polls and candidates make their closing pitches. The race will likely stay crowded as seven or eight candidates have plans to keep moving until Super Tuesday and beyond. And Bloomberg begins to appear nationally viable and prompts more examination of his record. And I'm not talking about Iowa today. Nope, nope, no how, no way, nope. Okay, maybe a little. It's 11 days to the Nevada caucuses, 18 days to South Carolina's primary, 21 days until Super Tuesday, and 266 days until the general election. And here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. It's the primary today at long last in New Hampshire, and Joe Biden is heading to South Carolina. I'll get to that in a moment. And election officials say final results could be available as early as 9.30 p.m. Yes, I am sure that will happen, and there will be no possible issue that could delay results at all, for sure. Let's not jinx this. But a reminder that the New Hampshire primaries are run by state and county election officials, and the parties don't control the mechanisms, unlike with caucuses. New Hampshire uses a paper-based check-in procedure for voters, and votes are cast on paper ballots, either marked directly by voters or using a touchscreen machine that marks them for a voter. Ballots are then scanned. So what's happening in the state? Senator Amy Klobuchar seems to have picked up energy from Iowa despite a fifth-place finish and from her strong performance in Friday's debate. A town hall event she held Monday afternoon in Exeter, New Hampshire, was mobbed, and police had to stop people from entering and direct them to an overflow room. Klobuchar said yesterday, quote, I don't think we need a socialist leading the ticket. I think that you have to lead. You have to be able to do things that are popular and unpopular. She made her closing argument to MSNBC. My pitch to New Hampshire is if you're tired of the extremes in our politics and the noise and the nonsense, you have a home with me. And if you believe it is time to not just eke by a victory at four in the morning, but win big and bring with us the people that we need to build this big coalition of a fired up Democratic base and independents and moderate Republicans, then vote for me. Senator Bernie Sanders and former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg continued to trade attacks, trying to jockey for last-minute votes to achieve a top finish. Sanders is the favorite in the state and in polls, but Buttigieg, after Iowa, remained within striking distance. Buttigieg said this morning, quote, It's not just because of the labels, it's because of the approach. When you look at what he's proposing in terms of the budget, all the things he's put forward, and how to pay for them, there's a $25 trillion hole in how to pay for everything that he's put forward, end quote. The Sanders campaign struck out at Biden. Sanders senior advisor Jeff Weaver said today, quote, When you run, no offense to the vice president, when you run a campaign around electability, you have to win elections. We'll see how he does tonight and in future states, end quote. Buttigieg made this his closing argument in the state. If you're looking for the most years spent in Washington, I'm uh, clearly not going to be your candidate. But uh, I think this is a time when we need somebody who's uh, ready to bring a different perspective. I'm no stranger to holding office. I'm no stranger to service, public or military service. Uh, but I am ready to make sure that we change the ways of Washington instead of accept them when there is such division, such dysfunction and such frustration. Sanders said in one of his stops today that he has, quote, an agenda that speaks to the needs of working families all across this country who, in many cases, feel that Washington has turned its back on them. He also said, quote, tomorrow you have a choice. You have the option to vote for a campaign which will not only defeat Trump, but which will transform this country, end quote. Senator Elizabeth Warren looks like she will finish in the middle of the pack, maybe third or fourth. She and Klobuchar could be jockeying for position, and Biden might be a distant fifth in some scenarios. Warren told reporters on Monday, quote, 
who was supposed to still be in this race today and who wasn't? I think I wasn't. And a lot of people who were supposed to have wrapped this up aren't here. I think the prediction business right now is not something I'd be investing heavily in. She said last night in New Hampshire, quote, people have knocked me down and counted me out pretty much all of my life. Mitch McConnell had me right when he said, nevertheless, she persisted, and that's what I'll keep doing. If we're going to have a democracy in which you have to be a billionaire or suck up to billionaires in order to win the Democratic primary, then buckle up, because this is going to be a democracy that changes significantly and it will work for billionaires, end quote. Former Vice President Joe Biden stopped focusing on Buttigieg after a weekend of assaults and ads and started talking about Trump. The more a candidate talks about the ultimate opponent, conceivably, the more it makes them sound presidential and electable. But there's a long road to get there yet. Not to be funny here, but Biden's closing message, when asked about that by Politico this morning in a department store in New Hampshire, was, quote, my message is I'm heading to South Carolina, end quote. The outcome tonight could still surprise everyone. New Hampshire Democratic House member Annie Custer said yesterday she had never seen this many undecideds so late in the run-up to the primary. The Hill notes that 42% of New Hampshire voters label themselves undeclared, neither Democratic or Republican, who split the remainder. Because President Donald Trump is the sure winner tonight of the GOP nomination from New Hampshire, independents who might otherwise have weighed in on a Republican nomination process are more likely to cast a Democratic primary ballot. The Hill noted, quote, complicating the picture in New Hampshire, voters have a record of breaking very, very late in the process, often rendering polls taken only days before the primary useless, end quote. Hey, Trump came to New Hampshire too. Before heading north, he tweeted, quote, want to shake up the Dems a little bit? They have a really boring deal going on, end quote. Then he insulted them about Iowa. The Associated Press noted, quote, advisors hoped that Secret Service moves in downtown Manchester to secure the area for the president's arrival would also make it harder for Democratic candidates and their supporters to transverse the state's largest city in the hours before the primary's first votes are cast, according to Trump campaign officials not authorized to discuss internal deliberations publicly, end quote. Trump encouraged attendees of his rally to vote for the weakest Democratic candidate today. Imagine this Valentine's Day story is you. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag, thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is. Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes, and boom! Two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit tryplexiderm.com today and use code VOICES at checkout. That's tryplexiderm.com, code VOICES. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? 
In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Iowa and New Hampshire usually crush candidates who haven't made substantial showings and winnow the field, but that's not happening this year. With Sanders and Buttigieg fighting for the top, the next three candidates still have substantial cash and fundraising and anticipations of outcomes in their favor or leaning their way in the next three weeks. Senators Warren and Klobuchar announced substantial fundraising yesterday following Iowa and the New Hampshire debate. Biden certainly isn't dropping out either. While entrepreneur Andrew Yang reportedly laid off substantial numbers of both field and senior staff after Iowa, the New York Times did report, quote, after an event in Portsmouth on Monday, Mr. Yang went so far as calling New Hampshire his best state. He reiterated that the campaign needed to have a very positive surprise tomorrow, end quote. Billionaire Tom Steyer is not only campaigning avidly, he appeared in the eighth debate last week and may qualify for the next one in Las Vegas. Largely self-funded, he's got no reason so far to exit, though Super Tuesday could be crushing. And billionaire media mogul Mike Bloomberg did not campaign in the four early voting states, and his polling at a national level is rising, as I'll discuss in just a moment. So, where are the candidates focusing their upcoming efforts? Sanders' campaign says as New Hampshire concludes, he'll visit some of the 15 Super Tuesday states in the 10 days before Nevada's caucuses. His campaign says that includes Colorado and California for sure, states near Nevada. California will award about 30% of the delegates pledged on Super Tuesday, Super Tuesday awards 1,345 delegates, or about one-third of all pledged delegates. Primaries through the end of March will award 50% of all delegates. Biden leaves New Hampshire tonight to head to South Carolina, his best chance to score a win in the four early voting states, because his support remains strong among black Democrats, who are decisive in picking a winner in that state. He'll head to Nevada next, where he has good possibilities, because he retains favor among Latino voters, too. Klobuchar has shifted staff from Iowa to Nevada and has plans to run ads. Klobuchar said in New Hampshire, quote, We're so excited about tomorrow night and then to Nevada, where we're building a big operation, end quote. Warren called into a Las Vegas radio station this morning. The New York Times noted of Warren this morning, quote, Ms. Warren's campaign has also indicated that it aims to look towards Super Tuesday even before the Nevada contest is over, and both Ms. Warren and her advisors have repeatedly signaled that they are girding for a months-long campaign of collecting delegates and a possible convention fight. As Mike Bloomberg's standing in national polls rises, Democratic Party concerns increase about whether he's actually viable as a candidate. That is, whether he could get the nomination and whether he could win if he gets it. Bloomberg has spent at least $300 million so far and plans to spend much more. He accepts no donations, and he's above 10% in national polling in four recent surveys and at 9% or higher in others. That includes Ipsos, Morning Consult, Harris, NBC News, Wall Street Journal, and USC LA Times. The big news is that he scored 15% in a Quinnipiac poll released yesterday, which had Sanders at 25%, Biden at 17%, Bloomberg 15%, Warren 14%, and Buttigieg at 10%. That's from 665 likely Democratic voters and with a plus or minus 3.8% margin of error. As Bloomberg rises, he's going to be put under ever more scrutiny, especially via opposition research and any efforts that the Trump campaign may put out if they see Bloomberg as a credible threat. Bloomberg has a lot of baggage from both work and his period as mayor of New York City. While his mayoralty from 2002 to 2013 was generally considered successful, 
he supported and defended a much-reviled policing policy called Stop and Frisk. The policy could variously be described as allowing police the unfettered permission to stop and pat down any black or brown person they met, especially teenagers of color, or that it put police in the untenable position of having to meet quotas of performing these stops for advancement. Whatever the mix of allowed and required were, these actions rose rapidly to 500,000 a year by 2006 and 685,000 in 2011, the year they peaked. They began to fall and became a key issue in the 2012 election to replace Bloomberg after his third term, an extension he had gotten approved. A federal court ruled routine stop and frisk unconstitutional in August 2013, and the new mayor, Democrat Bill de Blasio, an early failure in the 2020 Democratic presidential candidate field, settled the case and ended stop and frisk as a routine policy in January 2014. Such stops are now uncommon, have to be justified, and have dropped by well over 95% from their height. Statistics show that the rate of stop and frisk had no relationship to the rate of murders, violent crime, and property crime that had begun to fall rapidly before the policy was put into place, continue to fall at the same pace during its peak, and continue to ebb or stay steady even in the current era when almost no stops are occurring. The drop in crime in New York City is mirrored in nearly every city that had high crime rates in America, and no one has a reasonable explanation. Nonetheless, for years after stop and frisk was declared unconstitutional, Bloomberg still cited and extolled without evidence it having a profound effect in reducing crime. For non-white and Latino residents of New York City, it represents a deeply scarring era in which many people were stopped by police sometimes many times a year. Police stops can often escalate when people who have no reason to be stopped get tired of it, turns to violence, then incarceration, and other problems. A quarter of the time that police stopped Black and Latino people, they used force. And only 1% of stops were weapons found on people, guns and knives, and not all the weapons were possessed illegally. Force was used about 50% more of the time against black and Latino people than against white people when they were stopped, yet twice as many white folks were carrying weapons. Bloomberg claimed that racial profiling was non-existent because he'd signed an order in 2004 making it illegal, and that the proportion of people stopped related to the areas in which crime occurred. But all analyses showed that was false. Among other statistics, 41% of stops in 2012 were of black and Latino people between the ages of 14 and 24, who are 5% of the city's population. One person wrote in the New York Times in late 2011 about being stopped five times by police, quote, Essentially, I incorporated into my daily life the sense that I might find myself up against a wall or on the ground with an officer's gun at my head. For a black man in his 20s like me, it's just a fact of life in New York, end quote. Bloomberg only repudiated and apologized for stop and frisk in November 2019 as he prepared to launch his run for the presidential nomination. There's no path to victory as a Democratic nominee without significant support from Black and Latino voters across the country. On Monday, a recording from a talk he gave in 2015 at the Aspen Institute was posted by a progressive podcaster, Benjamin Dixon. He said 95% of people murdered were male minorities 16 to 25. And then he said this. Murderers and murdered victims.
And the way she got the guns out of the kids' hands is to throw them against the wall and frisk them. And then they start, they say, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to get caught, so they don't bring the gun. They still have a gun, but they leave it at home. Bloomberg has the legacy that he ran for mayor as a Republican, despite being a lifelong registered Democrat, and helped bring the Republican National Convention to the city in 2004. Bloomberg has also been accused of running a sexist culture at his company, the media organization named after him. However, Bloomberg's policies are generally progressive, and he's gotten a pass on a number of points. He's pro-choice, saying, quote, reproductive choice is a fundamental human right, end quote. He's advocated for clean energy. He fully accepts climate change evidence. He favors marriage equality. He's heavily invested in groups that fight for gun regulation. And he supports permanent status for undocumented people in the United States and other immigration reform efforts. By my count, Bloomberg has two of the four necessary 10% or higher polling figures to get on the stage for the 9th Democratic National Committee candidates debate, which happens February 19th in Las Vegas in advance of the Nevada caucuses. The DNC has anointed 12 different polling organizations, some of which involve multiple pollsters and media outlets, as being qualified to count towards that total threshold. With a week to go to gather two more, the deadline is February 18th, Bloomberg could be up there alongside the five top candidates, all of whom have at least a single pledge delegate so far. Steyer might also get qualifying polls in the early states, and we'll see if anyone else is added to that group out of New Hampshire, though now it seems unlikely. Gosh darn it, Iowa, they're still not done. The Iowa Democratic Party's chair, Troy Price, said yesterday that candidates had requested re-canvassing in 143 precincts out of nearly 1,700 in the state. A recount could also still be requested, which would require looking at 180,000 preference cards that recorded votes eight days ago. What's at stake remains a national pledged delegate, which could swing from Buttigieg's column to Sanders. It's one of 3,979 that will be awarded in the nomination process. But who knows? This is 2020. It could be that Sanders wins that delegate and then achieves a majority in the nominating convention's first vote by a single delegate. It could happen. We will never leave Iowa. Never. And that's the election roundup for today. I am your host, Glenn Fleischman. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. I am also on Twitter at Glenn F. That's G-L-E-N-N-F like Frank. Tune in again tomorrow for the New Hampshire results, God willing. Thanks for listening and have a pleasant rest of your day. Mm-hmm.